With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. time for another edition of Tennis.com's weekly podcast. And here's your host, James Martin. All right, so welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. want to make it very clear that we're just practicing today. This doesn't really count. We're going to be working on some things, Pete and Steve, uh, that we normally don't work on uh, in our podcast because this is practice as sort of uh, the way Andy Murray approaches his non- uh, Grand Slam tournaments, guys. This was a all right. So bit the pressure's off. Huh? The pressure's off us, so we don't have to worry about making mistakes. Can't hold us accountable for facts or anything. But we're talking about the big brouhaha that Murray has caused. He went to Dubai, and uh, he lost to Yanko Tipsarovic. And after that match, when asked what went wrong, what was going on, Murray came out and said that he was essentially treating Dubai as a different tournament than a Grand Slam. No fault there. And then he was working on things and working on his game. And then I watched that match. I know. I think Steve, you watch it as well. And watching Murray play in the, against Tsarovic, he was going for returns that were hitting close to the backstop and, and flipping and flopping his shots. And yeah, he I don't know look, what he was working on, but it was pretty bad. He didn't look so much like he was practicing as he was just kind of playing half-heartedly or just or trying to end points quickly or maybe do things a little differently. But of course, he owes the fans his best, uh, and you know to. It is a real tournament, but it's but Dubai is nice al- guarantees though. Also, happens to always seems like it's half of a, half an exhibition in a way because I mean Murray made three hundred thousand dollars just to go there. Do you remember a couple of years ago uh, when Roddick beat Nadal? Not taking any way, taking anything away from Roddick, but just Nadal's attitude during that match in Dubai was it wasn't the same way he would have fought when he got behind. He didn't play the same way he would have if he was behind at Wimbledon. It was clear. Well, so it's kind of interesting because, you know, Steve speculates now on Nadal's state of mind, but Nadal never said that, nor, nor did anyone accuse him of that. What, you know, which the only reason I mention that is because, you know, we end up doing his second guessing and stuff. But, you know, Murray seems to me to be getting crucified for telling the truth in, in somewhat diplomatic terms. Uh, you know, I mean, look, the guy, the guy says, you know, I'm, I'm here to work on stuff. It's like, you know, it's a huge check. I don't want to pass it up. I got nothing better to do. May as well go and work on my game. You know, I mean, you, they may not be the right attitude and maybe shortchanging the fans or a TV audience, but hey, the guy's sort of telling the truth. Whereas in a case like with Nadal, as Steve's talking about, we don't really know. We're just kind of speculating about it. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's a little like, don't crucify the guy. For I, telling I, the truth. I agree with you, Pete, as, as far as, you know, the, the notion that players have to treat every tournament the same is silly. And they're going to have to work on things and practice and at some of these minor tournaments as they want to peak for the slams. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I do think. Murray looked really bad in that match, and there were times where, as Steve said, he didn't even look like he was trying. He just looked like, I mean, he was just hitting returns where it reminded me of the kind of returns I hit when I'm playing a match and I'm down a set and two breaks and want to go get some beer. He just didn't really seem engaged, and if he's working on something, you know, it's something that I don't know what you'd be working on when you're trying to hit the ball that hard on returns and stuff like that, but 
I think more to the point, don't, don't you think he needs to be, yes, he's telling the truth and you respect him for that, but you do shortchange the fans and just keep it quiet. There's no need to have to, have to come out and say that. And it's almost kind of like, I don't fault him for working on his game down there per se, but I, I think he just needs to be a little bit more savvy. I don't want to put a you know, muzzle on him, but you shouldn't be saying that. Yeah, you're digging yourself a hole, though. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it is true, though. If you're going to work on your game, you're going to do it in Dubai. And if he wants to, if he wants to add things to his game, which everyone tells him to do all the time to come to the net more, he's not going to add things at Wimbledon. He's going to add them, try to add them in match play at Dubai. One thing I think that may have happened is is um, he he may have exaggerated a little bit. I th- I know the British press asked him basically, you know, what happened, why he lost. I can remember a couple of years ago. The, uh, the press was on him about, about making mistaken replay challenges, and, and Murray came out and said, well, I'm, I'm three out of the four challenges I make are just for my peace of mind. I don't even believe that, that they're going to be overturned, which I thought was an exaggeration. I thought he was, just, he, was just, he was unhappy with the question, so he exaggerated the answer. And I get the feeling that may have happened this time. He was annoyed at being asked how he could lose to Tipsarevich, so he came out and said, well, I wasn't even really... You know, I the was just working on things. The old, I wasn't really trying defense. <laughs> I know where he was working. I was working on getting out of Dubai. <laughs> you know, let's face it. Well, I, I, don't, I don't fault him, you know, for, for if, he, if he was working on his game. If he was just tanking and taking the, the, the guarantee, that's pretty lame. But we, no one's going to know that. Only Murray's going to know that. But um, I just think he needs to be a little more savvy when dealing with the press. Um, but do you think this... Well, yeah, but then now you're saying, you know, I mean... You, you can't go down to a tournament. Depends on whether Savvy's say, lying or whether Savvy is just being yes, clever. You, it's, uh, you want to. I, I just wouldn't encourage anybody to lie. But you, so you're saying it's good. To, you can't go down to a tournament and tell the fans, you know what? I'm here. I didn't really try my best. I was trying to fine tune my game. Don't really give a toss about this event. I mean, watching. The, I would want my money I back. I appreciate that. I like that better. If the guy's going to play like he did, if he comes out and says, "Oh, I really tried hard," but Tipsarovich was really tough today. Is that preferable? Or you know, if you watched you know, the way he played. And then heard what he said. If you're a fan and you paid whatever you paid to watch that match, you you'd have a right, in my opinion, to want to crucify Murray. That's a different issue. You know what's the different issue? He's going down and short. The issue is is he shortchanging the fans? And no, that's not the issue. We know he's shortchanging the fans. The issue is should he lie about it or not? Should he lie and pretend he's not shortchanging the fans or be more? You know, you use the word savvy about how he deals with the press. Should he tell the press, oh yeah, I had a bad back or something? No, I mean, the guy. You know, I mean. I, I just don't think you should ever... He's going to become the most hated man in tennis if he keeps doing that kind that's of thing. That's his problem, though, you know? not mine. I guess that's true. Um, well, there you go. Steve, do you have any final thoughts on the well, Murray Djokovic, Gate? Djokovic said afterwards that you know, the amount of money... The problem is that the amount of money you get up front, Murray going to that tournament or Nadal or whoever, they've, just by showing up, they've, they've accomplished something, something big. They've, you know, they've made a lot of money. That has to be in the back of their mind. But Djokovic afterwards came out and said that that amount of money as a guarantee means that they owe it to the fans even more to put to make a full effort in, in front of them, and I think I think that's right. That's a good attitude. I agree with that too. And, and Djokovic won the tournament, and 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 uh, is he's the first time he's defended uh, his a title in his career, which I thought was kind of interesting. He's never defended a title. He's done it here. We've got some questions through the pod email asking uh, if Djokovic can finish number one through the spring. But looking at what he has to defend, guys, it doesn't. Doesn't look like he's going to be able to overtake Federer. He's about three thousand points behind Fed, and he, he was really on fire last he spring. Had a good, he had a good clay court season. He made a, he made a couple finals where he lost in Nadal. He made a semi in Madrid. Um, he was solid at at Indian Wells and um, Key Biscayne. So I don't see him catching Federer, who who is probably. It sounds like he's coming back for Indian Wells. I mean, it is interesting that I predict. Hold it one second. Oh, here we go. I predict. I practically guarantee. You heard it here first at Tennis.com's podcast that Federer will not play Indian Wells. 
Wow. Inside info inside, or just a gut? Inside, inside info. Well, it, and it, if you look at the top players right now, then Fed might be out, according to Bodo. Nadal's still question mark with his injury. Murray's busy practicing. Uh, and then Delpo and Davidenko now have wrist injuries. So of the top guys right now, Djokovic, Djokovic, Djokovic is to number one. Djokovic is ready to go on a roll, <laughs> though I, I still, I mean, the, the points are, are just against him to overtake Fed, even if Fed doesn't play any wells. But um, very interesting, a scoop here uh, at the pod. Now, the other somewhat big news that we've had is uh, Ernest Golbus uh, finally won his first title in Delray Beach. Um, he beat Karlovich in the final there, and it was a uh, he, he pretty much dominated Karlovich and didn't wasn't bothered by a serve, guys. He was he played well. He played he was the, best, in the zone. best I've seen him play, and, and all the way through, he didn't he didn't, um, didn't drop seem a to set, get right? nervous. He didn't drop a set in the match. He broke Karlovich three times, which is Impressive. pretty much unprecedented in two sets. And it's good. I mean, this is a good development. The guy has a is a is a good player with a lot of talent and a and a and a good player to watch, who's had some struggles in the last year. Struggles with seemingly seemingly with motivation and a few extracurricular activities that we won't get any <laughs> any further into here. But he he is a you know he's a f- one of one of my favorite younger players to watch and it'd be nice to see him put some things together and not not seem so frustrated and and uh, I don't know unmotivated. He's got a new coach this year. He's you know he won his first term in Delray. He's won ten matches already this year, which didn't happen until ha- halfway through two thousand nine. So to add him to to add him you know within the top twenty, I I think that's a, a it's a good development for men's tennis. Yeah, this guy's got Xavier release written all over him. Yeah, pops yeah. up now and then, does a little damage, fades out. I, I don't, I don't share that confidence. I, I hope it happens for his sake and for Dennis's sake. He, he is a nice player, but I, I kind of don't believe in it. He's been around long enough now. He's, you know, he's. You're kind of seeing a kind of pattern he shows, and yeah, he's going to pop up and, and do well here and there. He'll certainly, I got to believe, he'll have a better year this year than last year when he couldn't put two matches back. But the potential is there, back. though. He's got more potential than somebody like Melise, I would say. Well, he's a bigger, he's a bigger, he's a bigger game. But than so Melise. far, he, is, I mean, he, he has been a head case so far. We'll see if that changes. I mean, you can't read too much, I guess, into Delray Beach. It wasn't, it wasn't a stacked tournament by any stretch. I think it'll be interesting to see how he does at Indian Wells in Miami on the hard courts. He seems like he has one gear to me, which is just hit the ball really hard. And and, and when it, when it's working for him, he's going to look great. He can drop shot. He's got some variety. He's a good server. Um, I just. I question. I mean, I kind of lean a little bit more toward Pete. I don't think he's going to be a flame out, but I do question if he has enough uh, mental. I don't know, just mental strength and, and variety in his game to, to yeah, really yeah, so crack the top. His 20. desire, his desire is in question, and to match his game. Well. And did you think he was going too much? I mean, he didn't. I, I think you might have touched on your blog. I don't remember, but he doesn't seem to want to. I mean, he didn't need to go for all those big no, shots against Karlovich. He's he could have just great, rallied. Not great at point construction, and he still he still isn't. I mean, he has the ability to finish a point from anywhere, so he he tries to from anywhere. And he, you know, he maybe it's. I would like to see him do well, and I think that he has the potential to do well. And the coaching situation is the, is the best it's been for him. So we'll see. Yeah, and, and, and the, with, with the clay court season coming up, Pete, with that big big game he has, and just going for winners, that's that's going to be a big struggle for him, I think. So you'll have to probably. We'll, we'll get we'll get a better sense in March, but after that, it's the clay, which isn't going to be great for him. No, you know, I, I'm kind of with you on his game, James. I don't I don't really see his I don't really see his game as being you know uh, I, I don't know his game doesn't do it for me. I guess what I'm trying to say, you know. But then I'm also not a huge fan of, of Bagdanis's game. So you know, these are I guess matters of subjective thing. But I think if he's going to have to grind on clay, the thing is he doesn't have you guys touched on it. He doesn't seem to have the temperament that goes with the kind of game he has, which would enable him to use that game to most effect, meaning really focused, precise, consistent tennis. I mean. 
you know, his head and his game kind of don't match up in a funny way. Yeah, and, and, and while it's great, I mean, this is the month of February we just come out of, and, and it's a great month. I, I enjoy watching as you get to see uh, players that you don't often see get to the final stages of, the, of these Master Series events coming up. But if you look at February and you, and you draw conclusions, you'd say that Juan Carlos Ferrero is the best player in the world. Well, you'd also, but you'd also say it's certainly a better better to see Golbus like this than the way he was at Wimbledon last year. He was, oh. he was embarrassed by, by Murray. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and he'll draw confidence, and, and we'll see. It'll be quite interesting. And, and the other news that came out over actually just the last uh, couple of days was the Hall of Fame has just announced its 2010 class. Those ceremonies will be taking place at Newport after Wimbledon. Always a nice little event out there. And the uh, people getting into the Hall of Fame this year, Todd Woodbridge and Mark Woodford, as a doubles team. They're not getting individually. They're getting in as a doubles team. And then another doubles team is getting in, Gigi Fernandez and Natasha Zereva. Again, getting in as a team. That was how the voting was. You couldn't vote for them as, as singles players, which is fair enough. They were, they were great, great doubles teams. Anyone here, uh, before I go on my Hall of Fame rant, does anyone <laughs> have any issue with these guys? I don't guys? think it's a problem. And it's, there is a precedent for doubles teams going in. I think the, peop- the thing that people had a problem with a few years ago was Pam Shriver going in on her own, and most of her accomplishments had been, had been in doubles with Martina and Avertilova, but as far as doubles teams, I don't, the, the Woodies. They're and legit. The Woodies and Zreva and, and uh, Gigi, it doesn't get any, they don't get any more legitimate than those, those two as teams. I saw those guys last night at the Billie Jean King Cup. They did a little press conference with the Hall of Fame inductees. And you know what was great to see was Brad Parks, you know, uh, the wheelchair, the guy who basically single-handedly invented wheelchair tennis, which has now been embraced and has become part of the actual ITF, you know, body of the game. You know, Brad Parks very touchingly, he spoke very briefly. There were only a couple of us in a room, but he said, you know, he, he just feels so grateful because he remembers a time when, when they went, rolled into those locker rooms, the players would look around and say, what are these people doing in here? It was a very touching thing. It actually floored Gigi and Owen both were kind of, they ended up saying some nice remarks about Brad and what he's done for the game too. So I just like to acknowledge all that Brad's done. He's done getting for in. Tennis we should preface that. And, and he's he, yes. about Brad Parks is getting in Brad, the Hall of Fame. Brad Parks is in. And Owen Davidson said the best doubles team he ever saw was Newcomb and Roche. Well, there you go. I mean, I think, I think it's cool that they're getting in, all these guys. I mean, there was one conspicuous uh, person that didn't get in that wasn't on the ballot, Pete, that I know you've blogged about, <laughs> was Nick Boletari. And, and I actually uh, placed a call to Tony Traber, who's, who's involved with the Hall, to get a comment. He's in travel. He's traveling today back from New York. But um, we'll hopefully get him or get a comment from him before we do the next pod. But it was interesting that Nick didn't get in and got, what, 10 players to number one in the world or something like that. Uh, Conspicuous that he's not 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 being inducted. It's just a terrible travesty. I think it's 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 a real crime. There's just some people at the hall, I guess, who just think that Nick they don't like his personal style, or they think the academy structure, the academy concept is ruined tennis. Well, hey, hello, there are 500 academies out there, and the ones in Spain, you fall all over, fall all over yourselves praising what a great job they do. I mean, it, it's really just ridiculous that that Nick didn't get in. You know, it's it's the I don't get angry about too many things, but this is one of those things that really kind of gets my gets me in high dudgeon. I mean, look, the guy, I mean, just look at the scholarships the guy's given out to players. And you really want to know Nick's contribution? Forget Andre Agassi, forget Jim Courier. Talks to Ma- talk to Max Mirny and Ivo Karlovich, even a Jankovic, although I guess she's a big star now. Forget her, a couple of these other players. They will all sing Nick's praises to high heaven, saying, without that guy, I wouldn't be here. And granted, those players may not be in a Hall of Fame, but the number of people he's put through there, and a lot of them on scholarship, a lot of them just with personal support, it's just it's criminal that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Was this a year when he was supposed to be supposed to go in, or was this a special year that 
No, he can he can still go in. They just have a nominating committee and people. You and know, just not nominated. Has he ever been nominated? I, I think this is the second year he's been on the ballot. I'm not positive about. We'll find that. out. I'm going to talk to Tony and we'll, we'll we'll revisit that. I mean, and you guys, <clears throat> you know, I mean, you, you got to figure he's going to he's not going to not get in at some point. Well, hey, it just depends. I mean, if you know, if certain people want to keep him out, you know, that, then they will. You know, the analogy I made, not to get all highfalutin and literary on everybody, is that Graham Greene, the British novelist. You know, uh, whose whose record speaks for itself, as they say in tennis. I mean, he never got the Nobel Prize for Literature, and the open secret was that the the committee had it in for him for whatever reason. He had some conflict with somebody on the committee, and he never got it. So, you know, these committees, whenever you have a committee making these decisions, you always leave the door open for these, you know, seedy, seamy kinds of politics. Yeah, I mean, I've always uh, we'll have to see. We'll we'll get Tony hopefully uh, some comments from him. I always feel that the the hall is a bit of I don't. Do you guys put much credence in it? I mean. I, I mean, I don't. I look at it as something where every year the, the they have to get somebody in, and it doesn't matter. It's a funny concept. I mean, it's just a, it's a very American concept, right? The Hall of Fame. I don't know if they have any of that in Europe, or I'm not sure when when Borg was inducted, even if he even knew what it was, or particularly not. cared. The concept <laughs> is is pretty American. I mean, I it's a popularity. I, I love going to, to the Baseball Hall of Fame as a kid, so maybe it's you know something that kids like to go see. Go go to the Tennis Hall of Fame. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's but at the you same time, you know, I can't figure that out. Though one, I don't compare, one second here. This is, you, you don't know, compare the like, tennis hall of fame to the baseball hall of fame, though, right? I mean, because well, baseball I think you treats can't it compare se- them. baseball treats the hall of fame very seriously. Tennis treats their hall of fame like a popularity contest. All right, we'll have to get back to that because I don't, I, I don't know if that's entirely true. We should talk about that Pam at some Shriver, point. Michael Chang. <laughs> well, I, I, I think there's room for debate on it. But, but the thing I'd like to say is it's interesting. You guys talk about it as such an American concept and stuff. It floors me. And I, the Europeans, you know, they kind of laugh. Philip Buan from Lake Keep, you know, one of the most distinguished tennis journalists, he's like, Hall of Fame, what, what is this baloney? You know, it's, it's an American, stupid American idea and stuff like that. But, you know, look, it's, it's, it's a tradition of the game. It's, it's keeping the flame. It's, it's having the names of these people. A lot of people went to the Hall of Fame, I guarantee you, as, as visitors and you know, and, and looked at some names, and, and you know they know now the name of a you know someone like a, a you know a Helen Jacobs or or Little Mo Connolly and stuff. And to me, it kind of floors me that the Europeans, given the reputation and and you know the reality of European you know tradition history, and, and, yeah. and their culture and history and all that, the Hall of Fame doesn't resonate with them. I think it's crazy. I think they're just you know they don't like the idea maybe because it's an American idea. Therefore. You know, to some of them, it's automatically going to be a bad idea. But I think it's a wonderful thing, and it's ironic the Europeans don't support it. I yeah. think it's. I think it's. There's nothing wrong with it. I guess the. It's hard to take it seriously because the 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 um, criteria are subjective. There's no hard and fast rules, and they need to have a ceremony every year, so somebody will get in every year. I don't the, know that there are hard and fast rules in baseball, frankly. No, neither in baseball. No, not at all. So you know, I there's mean, not, but it, there's it's always more, going to be a popularity contest the, in terms of who, or it's not really. But I'm just I, saying I that for the for the general concept of the Hall of Fame, there there are no rules to it, so it's hard to it's hard to take it too seriously that, that's my point is that I, I like that it's there i think it's a great institution it's great to see it in newport right to visit it but it is hard to take it seriously and baseball takes their inductions i think more seriously i mean and and that that's not it's a knock i'm not saying it invalidates everything that goes on in newport i just don't think you can look at it and go oh my gosh the woodies are in the hall of fame this is so incredible this is such an honor it's like they're a good doubles team they deserve to be there but i don't think it i just don't read much into it well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny, but, but, you know, let's remember the Hall of Fame, the Newport Casino, this old old tennis club with grass courts and, and, and a great building around it. And the site, you know, look, if nothing else, if you've seen the Campbell's 
you know, uh, Hall of Fame championships on TV or if you visited Newport. You know, it's a pretty impressive place just in terms of you can feel the history of tennis in a place. You can feel, no, cool. you know, yeah. what tennis was like was like back then. And, you know, the bottom line is if that hadn't been don- that hadn't have been donated to the USTA by Jimmy Van Allen, who owned that property, it was on track to become a, a freaking parking lot. Right. So, I mean, now you've got the Hall of Tennis Hall of Fame and instead of a parking lot. And, you know, I, I'm just for the idea. There's always going to be controversy about the selection process, but everyone has their criteria. I'm a voter. I vote in the Hall of Fame. So and, I have my, here, yeah. and I have my selection criteria, basically. Sometimes you end up with a situation that calls for bending the rules, your own rules, maybe. Right. You look at a Pam Shriver and say, well... I'm voting for Gaudio, you know, by the way. Whatever. For who? For Gaston Gaudio. <laughs> Gaston Gaudio. There you go. Into no, the mean, Hall it's, of Fame. it's great that it's there. I don't think anyone would say that there shouldn't be a Hall of Fame. No. It's just... You just know, whether you take it Serious or not is sort of up to you. Right, which we don't, I guess. Well, I guess you do a little bit, Pete, right? Well, I don't, I don't know what seriously means. I think it's, I think it's, I, let, let me put it this way. I think it's an important, valid, and, and, and tennis-promoting institution that I think ought to be supported. Well, there you go. So send your checks to Newport Hall of Fame. No, send them to me. <laughs> send them to me. Make them out to cash. And, uh, well, that wraps up this edition of the podcast. We're going to be coming back later this week once the, uh, uh, everything's announced for the Davis Cup and preview the ties, including one that's going on inexplicably in Chile, the ITF, uh, and, a, and a smart move. That's sarcasm. They're bozos for having a tie going on in Chile after the earthquake. Yeah, but, but what if the Chileans want it? You know what? Uh, I think you got to hold off on tennis after a catastrophic earthquake like that. But we'll we'll preview all of the matches that are going to be coming up, including the U.S. against Serbia. And uh, until then, um, send your emails to, uh, here we go again, podcast at tennis.com. Uh, With Pete Bodo and Steve Tigner, I'm James Martin. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you in a few days. Cheers. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.